Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Tracy Beckerman is a book author, columnist, and speaker. As Tracy transitioned into young motherhood, her dog Riley came into her life and helped to be a part of their lives from when her children were in kindergarten through college. Tracy's new book, Barking at the Moon, tells the chaotic but heartwarming journey of her family's experience with Riley and the valuable lessons that she learned. Tracy, welcome to Dog Save the People. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, good. So whereabouts are we speaking to you from? I am in New Jersey, in Hoboken, with a beautiful view of New York City from here. A really hard place to have a dog, though. Yes. (laughs) You know, because first of all, I have no idea how people house train dogs in apartment buildings. You know, because by the time I realize he needs to go out and I'm running him down the hallway, he's like a garden hose, you know, going across the hall. And then I get him outside and he doesn't have to go anymore. Right. Did that already. Oh, my God. You're funny. No, it's true. And I have to say, so I've had many dogs in New York City. And the minute we wake up at 530, it's out. Doesn't matter what the weather is. Whereas right now I'm living up more in the country. So I'm able to open the door. And they can just run outside, and it's it's an incredible gift. That's really a great thing when you can do that. We had that with Riley, the star of my book. We had him in the suburbs, so we could just open up the door. But he was a little bit of a prima donna sometimes. We'd get a lot of snow. We'd have to shovel a path for him. I'm like, really? You're a dog. Just jump through it. Then my husband be, you know, dressed all up in his winter gear out there shoveling a path for the dog. Riley was a retriever, so he's a bigger dog. I think people who have smaller dogs really have to do that or your dog yes. will just like get lost in the snow. Yeah, so I have a Bernese Mountain dog. So, oh. of course, he loves the snow and he literally will sit outside all day long and I have to kind of find him when it's dark. The uh, other dog that I have is a three-legged chihuahua. So he will barely go outside in the summertime, let alone the winter. Wow, you have your dogs are like the opposite end of the spectrum. That's yes. hilarious. And of course, the boss is the Chihuahua. He is hilarious. So now, Tracy, I want to speak to you about your upbringing. Uh, Did you have dogs growing up? Oh, yeah. I mean, one after another, sometimes two at a time. We had Uh a whole menagerie. We had cats. My dad was sort of like, he'd go out for a run. He'd come back with a kitten. I love it. I mean, so frequently. And he'd say, well, I found this kitten by the side of the road. So I guess he's ours now. But yeah, when I came into the house, my parents had a golden retriever who was a year older than me. That was Honey. Then we had Sugar, who was a white lab, along with Honey. And then at some point, my dad decided he wanted to have a dog with blue eyes because he has blue eyes and none of his kids have blue eyes. So and that's how we ended up with Sasha, who was a husky. Oh, I love it. That's hilarious. Yeah. And then Fanny, another golden retriever. So yeah, I grew up surrounded by dogs and I love them. So, you know, when our kids turned five and seven and we decided the time was right for a dog, even though they've been asking for four years, it was either like Disney World or let's get a dog. Right. I think they would have liked yes to either of those questions. But we felt like since my husband and I had both been raised with dogs and we loved the experience so much and felt like they are such an important part of a family that we would get one. And that's how we ended up with Riley. Oh, I love it. And what was your kids relationship like with Riley? They were best friends. The perspective of the book is that the kids and the dog grew up together. Little kids and a puppy to teenagers and an older dog. And so what I recognized was that there were a lot of parallels 
You know, when I was raising the kids, they started out needing me a lot and then kind of like going off with their friends and being a little bit less involved in our lives. And it was kind of similar with the dog for a while. He needed me a lot in the beginning. And then he was more interested in being with the kids and his other dog friends. And then they all kind of come back to you in the end. Yes. And I know that for myself growing up, the dog that I had kind of grew up alongside me and all of my memories, I'm sure this is the same for you and for your children. So many of my memories are through the lens of what I was doing with my dog at the time or what my dog was doing. Yeah, so true. I mean, I think my kids have that same experience. They remember swimming in the pool with the dog. The dog would like jump off the diving rock to get to a Frisbee that was in the pool. (laughs) It was fearless. And they remember skateboarding and riding their bikes with the dog and endless games of fetch and belly rubs and all that kind of stuff. Well, actually, I've got this wonderful quote of yours, and this kind of sums everything up. Life cannot be complete without a dog at your feet during dinner waiting for you to drop some food or a dog in the yard running to catch a frisbee or a dog going through the garbage and then yakking on your rug <laughs> and for any dog owner that is part of it and that's part of the the joy and the beauty and the realness of having a dog in your life yeah we gave up eventually and we got a puke colored rug then i didn't really have to worry about it anymore i mean we had the entire basically the entire house was hardwood floors and we had one rug And, you know, I spent so much of my time with nature's miracle on that rug. And finally, I said, you know what? New rug. Yeah. The kitchen floor, we retiled and we got like muddy paw colored tiles. Brilliant. Oh, that's so funny. Well, I have a rug that I've gotten because I have a dog that his digestive system, let's say, just doesn't work so well. And so it's a rug that you can basically just hose down. Yeah. I have to because... I always say to him, you know, I just can't have anything nice in the house. And it's, (laughs) unless it's dog proof, I don't want, I really don't want it anymore. See, now multiply that by three because you can't have anything nice in the house when you have kids either. Right. So, you know, even if we didn't have a dog, all of my things probably would have been covered in puke and broken and gnawed on. So, Tracy, how did your relationship with Riley evolve over time? It's funny because I really thought when we first got him that he was going to be the kid's dog. And I was looking forward to the relationship that they would build together. And I thought, yeah, you know, I'm just going to be like the lady who feeds him and cleans up after him and all of that. But, you know, especially as I was saying, as the kids got older and they got more independent, he really became more and more my dog. I was home all day with him while they were at school. And I was up with him when he was sick, just the same way you would be with your kids. And so we just became best friends. He was just my buddy and he was always there for me. I think the relationship between a person and their dog inevitably ends up becoming a really close one just by virtue of the fact that you spend so much time together. So in your new book, Barking at the Moon, it does talk about your journey with Riley. Why did it feel important for you to capture his essence and legacy in the form of a book? Well, I'm an author. That's a good reason. (laughs) So I write down everything. For some reason, I feel compelled to write these Momoirs, as I call them. Not that I have the most fascinating life, but I'm a humor writer. I write a syndicated humor column called Lost in Suburbia, which I've been doing for 20 years. And so my way of staying in touch with life is by writing these columns and looking for the humor in everything. Because otherwise you get like so kind of hyper-focused on all the things that are wrong. And so what I do is I was like, I kind of turned it on its head. I remember one time the dog was gaining a lot of weight and I write about this in the book. 
And we couldn't figure out why, because he was on this dietetic dog food and we weren't giving him a lot of treats. <laughs> and the only thing he was snacking on in the backyard were rocks and slugs. So, right. you know, it was a big mystery to me. By the way, I've heard that slugs taste like chicken. Maybe that's why he liked it. And we had one of these garbage cans in the kitchen that you had to like step on to get the lid to go right. up. So one day I'm upstairs taking a nap. The kids are at school. And I come down, I must've been really quiet. And I look across the hall from the stairs where I can see into the kitchen. And there's the dog with his paw on the pedal of the garbage can. And the lid was up and the dog's body was buried in the middle of this garbage can. And he was having yeah. a buffet. So I was like, well, I think I solved not only the gaining weight question mark, but also why does the dog have such bad gas? Because <laughs> he's eating from the garbage. Oh my God. At the time, I was like, wow, this is just, I can't believe this. And then all of a sudden, I realized, wow, this is really funny. I have to tell the story. And I think that there's so many people who have dogs who can, I mean, you're sort of nodding along. So many people who have dogs who can relate to all of this. The great times and the crazy times and the really funny times with dogs. They're really goofy, you know? Oh, absolutely. They're such amazing creatures. I mean, they're all about unconditional love and, you know, giving, giving, giving. And all they want is to be played with and to get some food in return. Yeah. Which is why I said, you know, the subtitle of the book is A Story of Life, Love, and Kibble. Could have said life, love, and dog <laughs> treats, but I thought kibble had a better ring to it. The thing is that dogs are great no matter what stage of life you're in because they listen when you complain. They get excited when you're excited. And they comfort you when you're sad and they'll stick by you no matter what, unless they hear some food drop on the floor. Oh, totally. <laughs> so I told you I have a three-legged chihuahua. A lot of times he likes to sit up on his throne, which is one of the chairs in my house. But if I'm in the other room in the kitchen and I drop a molecule of some kind of food, he like dives off the chair, you know, <laughs> and he's there under five seconds. And it's really, it's hilarious. Well, we have you beat because when my husband opens the jar of peanut butter, yes. the dog can be across the house in the room with the door closed and he will come running downstairs. How do they know? I, you know, maybe it's that when you open the peanut butter jar, I really yes. don't know what it is. And one of the wonderful things that you have mentioned in your book is that dogs remind us that life is short and not to be taken seriously, or as Riley would say or do is to stop and smell the fire hydrants. And I think that again, is so brilliant. A lot of times we're in such a hurry to get through challenging times or mundane yes. times or whatever it is that we really forget to be in the moment. I do understand the value of being present. And, yes. you know, you'll hear a lot of parents say all the time, it goes by so fast with the kids. And when you're in it, it feels like it's going to last forever for good or for bad. Right. You know? And it's the same thing with the dog. And then suddenly you turn around and your dog is a senior and you realize, wow, we're almost at the end of this. And it went so fast and I want it back. Ugh. I'm at the point now where I can just really look back, recognize all the amazing times that we had together, just me and him or us as a family. And I can't be sad anymore. It's such a huge part of our lives. I had three dogs. Now I have two. I uh, lost my girl Millie this summer and boy, you know, it just, you never, no matter what, you, it's so hard to prepare. For, you can't prepare for it. With Riley, it was very sudden. It happened so fast. Like one day he's here and the next day he's not that it was really, really tough. Riley had been gone 
a couple months and I was heartbroken and I was thinking, you know what, I don't know if I'll ever get another dog. And even if I do, I maybe we'll revisit this next year. Both my husband and I work on the same page about this. My son asked me about it and he said, mom, are we going to get another dog? And he was on his, like had one foot out the door to college already. He was in senior year of high school. And I said, I don't know, Josh, I'm just so sad. And I really feel like I need to wait. And he said, but mom, if you don't get another dog now, he won't know me. By the time you do, I'll be off in college and I won't be part of his family. Wow. So, I mean, talk about sticking it to me right in the heart. Yeah. So we talked about it and we said, okay, yeah, we think that we've got, you know, still room in our hearts and a lot of love to give to another puppy. What was it like bringing Monty into your home? Sort of happened the same way that it did with Riley, kind of by chance. And um, we ended up finding this woman in Peoria who had a litter of puppies. She had done a rescue and it's kind of hard to believe that people have to rescue golden retrievers because right. they're just the most friendly, loving dogs in the world. Yes. And so somebody let me know about this and I contacted her and she said, yeah, we, we have a few left. Would you like to come out to meet them? And I said, yeah. So I get out there and she said, you know, your name sounds so familiar. You know, how would I know you? And I said, well, my, my column, my humor column, Lost in Suburbia, runs in the Peoria Times. And she said, oh, right, I know that column. You use it to line the puppies' cages. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But anyway, so yeah, Monty has, had been with us for nine years, but he passed a couple of weeks ago. We did a lot of work together, too. We were a therapy team, pet therapy team. And even though I had him before the pandemic, in a sense, he was my pandemic dog because he offered me so much comfort. And how were Monty and Riley different? So Riley was fearless. He was the dog who would do anything. Yeah. And Monty was probably the biggest weenie dog you've ever met in your life. You know, you've heard of beta <laughs> dogs. He was a Zeta dog. Yeah. Um, he was not only afraid of helium balloons, he was afraid of umbrellas, dry cleaning, vacuum cleaners, of course, yes. things that were inexplicable. In spite of that, in some ways, he was fearless too, because as I mentioned, we were a pet therapy team. And one of the things he loved was greeting strangers, smiling for them, letting them pet him. He was not afraid of people or other dogs. He loved the attention. He sounds amazing. He is a pretty amazing guy. <laughs> We've had two amazing dogs. We've been really lucky. Oh, good. This has been a really tough time for all of us. Like I said, I've always felt humor, especially relatable humor, is something that can really help us get through tough times and challenges. And when my mom had cancer, she's fine now, by the way, but in addition to getting the medical treatment that she needed, she rented, because this was back in the day, she rented videos of Marx Brothers movies and Abbott and Costello, just a whole bunch of comedians, Lucille Ball, Carol yeah. Burnett, so that she could laugh her way through her treatment. And my mom wasn't expected to survive, and yet she did. And so I kind of feel the way about my humor column and my humor books that we should be in the business of helping each other laugh. Yes. And I think especially with dog stories, we just want to laugh at them because they're yeah. so sweet and goofy, like I said before. And that's really the message I want to get out, that even in tough times, look for the humor in things because it really does help. It really does. And you have such a gift for bringing that to all of us. So 
I'm so grateful to spend this time with you today. If anybody needs cheering up, barking at the moon will definitely help along those lines. Now, I know that we can find your book on Amazon and it's been doing very, very well. Congratulations. Thank you. Just about any online bookseller, if you're not a big fan of the big companies. Beautiful. And thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. I thought it was beautiful to hear about how Tracy's positive experiences when she was little formed the foundation for her connection with dogs. But then when she became a mother, both to her children and to a dog, she saw everything in a different way. And despite the expected difficulties and growing pains, especially with a nickname like Dogzilla, which is what they called Riley, it was still extremely rewarding and fulfilling. And I personally was so moved by how Tracy was able to really take such difficult things like losing a dog and really turning and finding the humor in all of these things. And again, I really do believe that if we can laugh and find humor, that is such a healing way to live. And I love hearing about Riley and about how hilarious he was throughout their life together. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is made by As It Should Be, a production company and content studio. It is made with the support of Scott Benaglio, executive producer, and Jack Summer, our producer and editor. And special thanks to Daniel Lampert, our neighbor and composer, for creating the music for the show. You can follow Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow our show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. To sign up for our monthly email newsletter, you can go to dogsavethepeople.com. On the website, you'll also be able to find merch in our new online gift shop. This includes shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, My Foundation, where profits go to supporting independent rescues and shelters. If you have any questions or submissions, please drop a note to the email address bark at dogsavethepeople.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog outside and make it a great day for both of you. Thank you.